listening to this inspiring message by Paul Van Essen at Greater Life Church. For more information about us, do visit our website www.greaterlife.org.uk. I've called it the real way to change your life. I don't often kind of give, I, I used to more so, but I don't often give an exact title. But it's B-I-G. Everyone say big. I just thought a bit of an acronym, you know, it might help us. Uh, the God way to transform your life. So God is like super interested in people's lives changing. And in my experience over many years of, you know, leading people and preaching and whatever else, living the Christian life, I've found that that actual genuine life transformation for people is much rarer than they would like it to be. I think that Christian church is full of people that, are, that wish things were radically changed, that wish that God had kind of come in and done this or that and the other, but if they're really honest and they sit and they look hard, and I've been through this exact situation, and they look hard at their lives, they think, well, actually, is there that much difference between now and when I didn't know Jesus? And we, we're very focused on, as a church, uh, releasing and helping people to experience that difference. So I'm thinking of the people, you know, that we've just become friends with in more recent times, for example, like Alethea, who's helping over there, Paula, who's just doing, you know, been through incredible things. She's with us on Facebook today. Uh, I'm thinking of Jason and Michelle, who, who uh, had, a, you know, a, a, a solid Christian life. But God has really done something. He, he just wants to change things. He's a miracle-working God. And it's really important for us, for our own lives, to kind of stop and think, actually, how much change has taken place in, in my attitude towards life, in my expectation towards life, in what I actually experience in life. And I, my bet is, and that's the reason that we preach these things, one of the good things about having preached for a long time, I've preached so many thousands of messages, is that at this stage of my life, every time I speak, I'm focusing on something that I think is, that I know over the years is super important. There's a whole lot of things I don't give a lot of attention to um, because if it doesn't help our daily lives, then there's not a lot of point, really. And... uh, Actually, the reason, part of the reason Larry's with us, and we're online actually next week, that'll be the last kind of on, purely online service we do. And uh, hello, sweetheart. But um, part of the reason we're doing that is that I'm in uh, Dieppe in France next weekend because um, we have a church there that are friends of ours. That church is called uh, L'Eglise Le Nouveau something. <laughs> v Nouveau. But the f- pastor is Francis Fister who you've met before, he's been here. So Francis is early 70s, and it's his son, Mikhail, who I know well as well, who's taking over. So there's an ordination thing taking place, and they wanted me to be there as a kind of prophetic voice to speak as a prophet into their situation, into that, their ministry, uh, uh, Mikhail and Diana, and also into that church. So I'll be doing that on Saturday and Sunday, uh, not that I can, I can also pre-record messages, but the, the other thing is that Larry has got something, tremendous things uh, in his life experience, and I think he's a blessing to people's lives. 
And so we're looking forward to that. But I might just visit you from France anyway and say hello. You never know because the time, they're an hour ahead. So, you know, we will just see. I'll be keeping an eye on things over there. Don't worry. And uh, so we might even do something like that. But, you know, that whole area is something that, that God is speaking to me about anyway. Ministry, gifts, apostles, prophets. And I want to help us understand how that functions. But today we're going to talk about B.I.G., Big. Everyone say big. big. For easy to remember. How? Because how, how, God's given us instructions, right? Or guidelines. Um, I don't like the way that a lot of uh, Christian preachers talk about obedience to God. You've probably heard all that phrase. And, and as soon as I say that, all the hardline radical Christians, of which I'm one, um, will have a problem because they'll say, oh, he doesn't encourage. But obedience isn't really a good word. You know, it's like, it's like, accurate word from the Greek, just flowing with God. Because when you say, is so-and-so obedient to God, or so-and-so has been disobedient to God, you have this picture of God as this fairly hard-line old dude that is just roast, you know, is measuring you whether you did what he said or not. And that misrepresents God a lot. He is so full of love. Now, he has standards, and he is awesome, but he is so full of love. He looks. It wouldn't matter how many mistakes you made. It wouldn't matter how long you've done stupid things. It wouldn't matter how long you've spat in the face of God, cursed God, hated people, did terrible things. doesn't stop him loving you, adoring you. He just thinks people are marvelous. He sees past all that, some people are very intent on doing evil. There aren't too many of them, uh, you know, but in our world and we're watching the news and all that kind of stuff and there are some really concerning things happening in different nations and, uh, you know, I know why people are nervous about, you know, what the future holds. Um, but, you know, and there are, there are some people that, that are like just set on not doing the right thing, but they're not that many of them. Most people are wanting to do what's right. They don't really know what it is. And a lot of people have been chased away from a meaningful connection with God because they figured that he was really into obedience and you better do what he said, you know, and he, he, you certainly get there's here's, here's 55 behaviors that you better give up if you have any intention of being a real Christian, you know what I'm saying? No smoking behind the, behind the sheds at lunchtime, you know, no whatever else. No using bad words, swearing, and certainly not curse, uh, you know, using Jesus' name in vain. That would be, you know, it's like as if God is nervous, as if he hasn't heard all that before. And, uh, and I'm not condoning that, see, but what I'm saying is that God is not someone who is motivated by whether you were good or bad. He just thinks you're wonderful no matter how good or bad you are. And when you allow that truth of his incredible, indescribable love into your heart, that, begin, can, that love has power in it that can begin to change you into a completely different person. And it wouldn't matter how awful you were before, every person on the planet can become, some will choose not to be, can become a magnificent person. And whilst ever there's an ounce of hope, a minuscule little bit, person's 85 years old and all they've done is mean, cruel, nasty, horrible all their lives, 
if they're, and they're right at the end of their lives. Even if there's an ounce of hope, God just will never give up on them. Always going to love them. And all that massive, the way we look at it, like this massive pile of rock. How massive the pile is. All the massive pile, it's taken away. All you've got to do is accept that it's been taken away, believe that it's been taken away, and that changes your behavior. Then you were the guy who was horrible for 85 years, and all of a sudden you're happy. Well, it will take a little people, it'll take people a while to get used to this, which is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was cruel to Christians. He was putting them in jail. He was having them beaten. He was probably murdering them or certainly uh, a part of people who were murdering Christians. They were afraid of him. And, uh, and then he encountered Jesus and found that Jesus loved him and had this, Jesus had this incredible purpose for him. You would have thought he was written off. You know, he's been, he's been killing God's people for goodness sake. The whole time behind the scenes, God says, I've got this plan for this guy. If he just sees me and he counted him. And, uh, and all of a sudden, now it took, it took a while. He went preaching some places. And they were like, we're not so sure about this guy. Isn't this the guy that three months ago was throwing us in jail and beating us up? Yeah, that's him. And, but what a great story. And a lot of times, and Jesus said the same thing, when you've, when you've been forgiven a lot, you love a lot. When you realize, actually, and you might be, you know, if you're a person that's made a lot of bad decisions and you've been ugly in your life, when you receive forgiveness, it's like the transformation is that much more radical and extreme. So anyway, I don't know how we got to that, but that was a pretty good message right there. So God, God wants people's lives experientially to change. So churches, you know, I'm a massive believer in church. I think because I see church very differently, I think, from the way most people see it. Church is a family. Church is a community. Church is a, 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 a place of embracing love. Traditionally, you see, when people have a bad week or a bad month, or they went and did something really wrong in the last week, they will tend to stay away from church because they feel guilty. You know, you've, of course, you, you've never felt that, but, you know, there are people that do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, that, and because they have this kind of sense of, you know, well, I better be good. And yes, of course, I'm encouraging, you know, to, to live well and right, obviously better. But the point is that God feels the same about you regardless. Church needs to be, is, is an embracing place where whatever week you had and whatever has gone wrong, we're still here, we're still going to love you. It's not going to make any difference. It's, you know, most people, I've found this in, in relationships, you're doing very well, by the way, Eva, you've, still, you've more or less let me have the control of the service, more or less, and uh, we'll just pay attention to you for, you know, a few seconds, and then we'll be back. Hello, are you going to eat keys? Oh, I don't think so. Are they your keys, Dan? No? That's a big set of keys. I see, yeah. That's the car you can't drive. Yeah, yeah. And I think, if I remember correctly, probably for fairly good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to talk to Richard about that, but yeah. <laughs> big man. 
Yanni Levant's bigger. Sorry, it's a funny, funny thing we talked about. Where were we there? Talking about Jesus and God and how much he loves people. And, uh, but it's true. God, God wants your life to change. The whole point is if, if, you, if you meet Jesus at whatever stage of life, you encounter him, he draws near to you and you connect with him. That's the beginning of a new life. Now, it's actually, from, from the eternal perspective, it's the normal life. Every person on earth was born to be connected to God. We just function better. God is love, for instance. That's, I mean, that's his absolute nature. Uh, you know, whether it's the movies or John Lennon, all you need is love, or whatever, all through history. Ringo Starr, still, he's still, he's 80, 81, 80 now, Ringo. And he's unveiling these peace and love things. Have you seen this? He's got like 20 in the world or something. He's, he's a very sweet guy. But even from back from the 60s, peace and love. People are looking for all that. They know that's what's supposed to make life work. That's what God is. His God is a God, but he is, nature is love. And the way God designed it was that every single human person had connected to God. And then the life of God, the love of God flows through them. It's like fuel for the car. You're supposed to run, like this, this human body is supposed to run on love. And when we're disconnected from God, we try to love because intrinsically, for most of us, we know that's how it's supposed to work. But we find a lack of resource, not enough fuel, so we do the best we can, and in a lot of, you know, we do pretty good on a certain level, but there tends to come out at some point or other, whether it's the child that pointed you for decades enough, or whether it's the parent that abused you or was a terrible example, or whether it's the political leader you don't even know that you think is ruining the world or whatever, but sooner or later, in some form or other, some measure of a lack of love, sometimes hatred towards people comes up. If we're honest with ourselves, none of us have an unlimited supply of love for people. But you need it for life to work properly. So it's really just like plugging into the power. That's, so from God's perspective, everybody being connected to God, that's, that's normal. When you have human persons in, in life that are not connected to God, then in, and, and I'm talking about being born again, what Jesus called being born again, that was the phrase he used, being plugged into the power, having an experience with God, having an encounter with God, having God come and live inside of your heart and your life, however you want to describe it, those things. Not just attending a church, but having that re- relationship. That, that's what, that's, that, would be, that would make the, people, the world work much better. Not religion, you know, not, not the Catholics versus the Protestants in Northern Ireland and the, and the, and the Muslims versus the, you know, Christians in, in Iran or Iraq or, you know, the endless, horrible, uh, just I fully understand why people hate religion because uh, I do too, if that's what religion is, which I think to many people it is. But it's not your connection with God. That changes your life. So then my point today is God, God wants to change your life. He expe- but for a lot of people, they have thought that 
well, now I'm a Christian, I've been born again, I've asked Jesus into my life, so I am a new person, that's right, you are, and you're forgiven, yeah, that's right, you are, and you, you have access to God at any time, yes, but for many of them, if they look at their lives experientially, it might be 97% about the same as it was before, in terms of either the amount of joy they have or the amount of success they have or the answers they find when relationships fail or the healing they find when you know sometimes they'll get healed but a lot of time all those kinds of things God wants to change all that so that's what I want to talk about in the few minutes that I asked myself to complete this message <laughs> that was just the intro was that all right though so big here we go let's let's unfold so that it's an acronym for those of you that have been, received a, a, a high-level Western uh, English education. And B is for behold. Everyone say behold. behold. So just being... A, there, is, there is three things here that we're talking about. They're all super important. And they all are things that we need to walk in to experience. So here's this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you've got your Bible... But I've read it up because it's really nice. Behold, one version says contemplate. One version says gaze at. That's what the word means, to behold. And here's this interesting verse. 2 Corinthians 3. We all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or behold the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That's talking about turning to the Holy Spirit. So the verse before says, wherever the Holy Spirit is Lord, then there's freedom. And when we turn to the Holy Spirit, then our, the, the veil of our faces is taken away. He's writing to Christian people. So you can be a Christian person, and unless in your heart... There's a turning, you turn to the Holy Spirit. There's specifically the Holy Spirit, not Jesus in this case. You turn to the Holy Spirit. And as you look to him, the eyes of your heart look towards him. The veil that, you know, I do. I was a Christian and, and I still did some really dumb things. Anybody with me there? Because so, sometimes we just don't see things. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to see it all. You have to behold. You have to learn to look at, into, into the glory of God, as it were, to open the eyes of your heart. And the principle here you want to get, the reason it's important is that what you look at is what... Now, you may have written that down before, you may have written down, but, but if it's worth... What you look at is what you'll become. It's a principle your eyes are focused on you will be reproduced that takes in seeds if you will that'll sprout in your life that's a God principle so here he's saying when you look at the Lord's glory which is something you do with inside of you inside of your heart then you're transformed into his image with, from glory to glory, one version says, or this says, with ever increasing glory. The more you look at the glory of God, the more you become or you are transformed by what you look at. 
That's what it's all about. Now, that, that has application, obviously, to becoming more like Jesus, to carrying God's glory. How do I carry more of God's glory? How do I become more full of God's glory? Well, by making the time, when we talk about prayer, like prayer time, you know, part of prayer, for me, oftentimes, and I learned this from Cho, really, Yongi Cho, he used to talk like that. He said when he prays, one of the things that he always does in his heart is, And there's just, a, there's just a change that goes on in say some days I don't pray as much as, I, as I'd like to, but I pray every day, certainly. And uh, sometimes, though, we, we pray like it's a list, like, you know, you know, if you're Maisel's case, I pray for Dan and I really pray for Jordan, you know, God help him. And... Uh, or what, you know what I'm saying. So you, you have, and that's, there's a side to prayer like that that's fine. But then there's an aspect of prayer where, where certainly for me what I say is, Holy Spirit, I just look to you. My eyes are on you now. I'm focused on you. You're glorious. Your glory is in me. And I might have a bit of quiet worship music. I'm not going to mind with a whole lot of things. I'm just going to practice that. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? And when that happens... When I make that deliberate, it might only be for a few minutes, three, four, five, ten minutes, where I'm actually doing that, my, my disposition changes. Something changes because I'm looking at something. Now, that's, that's important in terms of the glory of God. And, and you know, we could, we could talk a lot about that. I, I want to touch on these other two. But the principle, you see, applies in every area of life. So one of the examples, I remember when I was young in Australia... We, we, we grew up playing cricket, but I've never worn the whites and played proper cricket ever. But we, we all did this. We all played cricket in the backyard. And we used the garbage wickets. And we usually used a, a, a tennis ball, softer. And then if you were really advanced, you'd wrap electrical tape around one side of the tennis ball, which make, you know how they shine one side, which just makes it swing. So I could sw in swingers, out swingers, short of a length, you know, cutting away from the right hander. I call that terminology from the backyard. <laughs> anyway, as I used to do this, now in my day, um, the the names that were big in bowling were, in Australia were Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson. How many of remember anyone remember those names? Dennis Lilly, you'll remember. Jeff Thompson was the fastest, but Dennis Lilly was probably a better bowler. And I've never had a lesson from anybody in my life on how to bowl a ball. But I could do the action. I'm not going to do it for you now. I know you want me to, but I'm not. I'm resisting. But, but for, and, and this will be the same for you. And it might be the same for golf or whatever else. I, I would do the run-up, and I, you go like this, you know, and you bowl like this, you do your bowling thing. And I've really only learnt it because I've watched somebody else do it. I saw it. And if people, when I was into it, and you're watching them all the time, and then you go out in the garden and bowl, in the backyard as we call it, and bowl, people could actually tell that I'm bowling like Dennis Lilly. And Jeff Thompson used to do this swinger. He used to pull his arm back. It's a very unusual style of bowling. But um, the point is that you, you become, you learn by what you see. And, it's like, and that's true with a lot of areas of life. Public speaking can be like that. How to walk into a room can be like that. 
I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable now walking into a room because I used to walk a bit like this, but I never really realised it. You know, sometimes the kids at school, not really badly, but I think I dragged my feet a bit. And, and I just thought somewhere around through life, that's not, like, that's not the way you should walk into a room. So I watched some people, I suppose, you know, not deliberately watching their walking style, but just the way people carry themselves. And I learnt from that. Nobody gave me a lesson. Now, this also applies, okay, to, to how we behave in families. One of the biggest problems in our society today, and it was so nice to pray for, for you guys as a family, but is, is the issue of broken families and where, where one or other of the parents have just not been model parents and have been dysfunctional in some way or other, and, that's, and they feel bad about it often, uh, but they don't know how to express it, and then their kids are damaged by it, and, and it's an ongoing, you know, it's a massive problem, as we're all well aware. Now, one of the things you learn, I did teacher education when I was younger, one of the things that you learn is the same principle very common, psychology, sociology, very common that parents who grew up, or kids who grew up, for example, with a, with a, um, with a, with a parent that was violent and drank too much, most of the time, and I had a friend who was a pastor, he still is a pastor in Australia, um, and uh, he grew up exactly like that and remembers you know, going to sleep at night and hearing his mother crying and him, then him crying because dad's drunk too much and is mistreating his mother. And so that, you know, that's difficult, you know. And that's a whole other issue in itself. But the point is this, many of those children that grew up like that swear black and blue that's the one never going to be. And statistically, most of them out much higher than the average. They wouldn't do it. Why? Because you don't become what you swear you're going to become or you want to become. You become what you see all the time. And that's true. So some of us are sitting here as a Christian have said, I'm going to do like this, I'm going to do like this, and it hasn't worked. And then you, and then you say, well, I'm praying to God, pray to God, but praying to God doesn't take the place of you seeing. If you ask God for certain blessings and then you, so you ask God that you want your life, you've come from a, a challenged life, say financially, and you want to be in a more prosperous zone than your family was before you, whatever. You can pray to God and that's fine, God will have no problem taking care of you, but if you keep seeing yourself as someone that struggles, someone that's lacking, someone that lacks confidence or whatever it is, then you be that no matter what you're praying. And see, sometimes we have amplified... They just say, well, you just pray and then God... It's just, it just doesn't work like that. God expects you to do certain things. And here's the interesting thing now. There are plenty of people in our world who have learnt those principles, which are God principles. He just put it in people. He said, here's a good thing. You don't even have to go to school. Just watch. Watch what good people do. 
Watch, watch how good, I've learned that, watch how good women, there's some movies sometimes, what's the movie I like? There's a movie I liked, oh I saw um, Get Shorty, that's a long time ago, has anyone ever seen that? So, have you seen Get Shorty? So one of the things I liked about Get Shorty, John Travolta is this con man, but he is so smooth and he, he ends up with a girl at the end, but the way he sleazy way but it's just so so she's like actress in a model uh, um, uh, uh, an actress in a film and John Travolta and her name was whatever it was Karen something else I forget and he's seen her in a film and it's a b-grade film at best and it's a vampire movie or something like that right and uh and 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 he says oh I saw you in that film so nice to meet you and she's like take, a little bit taken aback by that. Oh, that was only a B-grade film, you know. All I did was scream like the vampire mother. And he said, oh, but if anybody else could, I mean, if anybody could scream like a vampire mother, it was you in that film. <laughs> and it's like, I learned, I learned from that. I still remember that. I still, some back of my mind, if I'm meeting people, I deliberately, really, it's so nice to meet you. Because it is nice to meet you. I'm not faking it. I'm not lying. But sometimes we're not deliberate. Just a little example. Just you a know, silly little example, probably. You're probably going to wonder what the guy does, just watches movies all the time and imitates John Travolta. Not true. However, but see, you, what you see is what you become, not necessarily what you pray. So you've got to put a different picture on the inside of you. And that what leads me now, I've got a whole passage here in Genesis 30 that we're not going to get to because of time, but you can make a little note. See Genesis 20, 30, 25 to 43. It's the most ridiculous story in the Bible, possibly. It is right up there. Jacob and the speckled sheep. To make you read your Bible this afternoon. sheep of which there were not very many and he used this principle we're talking about and the bible says at the end of this little passage verse 43 he was exceedingly wealthy simply because of what the sheep looked at at the point of conception at the water trough that's the story you can read it yourself and so there's a and that's what happens too when when you're contemplating the lord and you're in this time of prayer you're kind of like it's a point of conception. You're receiving things from God and stuff starts to fall into your heart. Starts to transform you from the inside out. So my second point, and I've got to move quickly, is your imagination. There it is. Genesis 1, 11, 11, 7. So we're going to move through this pretty quickly, but they're, they're related. In Genesis 11, 7. If... As one people, this is the Tower of Babel. You all heard of the Tower of Babel? So the Tower of Babel, people have walked away from God, basically, all got together, built a city, so they weren't all ooga men in caves with flints of fire, building a city. And uh, God comes down, it says, and looks at these people, and, say, and they've decided we're going to build this tower. 
And so it's big, you know, bigger than the Empire State Building, bigger than the Shard, you know, back in the day. And if as one people, God's speaking, they speak the same language and they've begun to do this, nothing they plan or imagine to do will be impossible for them. Now that's related to what you look at, but this is your imagination. So many versions will use the word plan or dream. In the Hebrew, the original, the word imagine is in there. In other words, what he's saying is these people, they can communicate with one another. There's unity rather than disunity. And whatever they imagine, they can do. That's like limitless living. Remember that, remember that film, Limitless? And a guy, didn't he take some pill or something and he could, you know, kind of crashed at the end, didn't it? Didn't work at the end, something went wrong. But uh, I remember that. And we all love that because we all want, you know, we all, Spider-Man. You know, we all want these superhuman powers. You've got superhuman powers. It's just not spider's web coming out from here. You've got the ability. You're made in the image of God. And your secret, if you like, is this imagination. See, everything that was ever created, Dan drove here today in an Audi. It's created quite a while ago. But whatever, whatever clothes you're wearing, so I'm wearing these ones, which I really like these. These come from some shop in Amsterdam, and they're really stretchy. I really like them. And uh, tough if you don't. Look. But see, here's the, my point. Where's he going with this? You know? Here's my point. My point is, whatever there is in the world, everything, there was a time when it wasn't there, and it was imagined or dreamt of before it ever existed. Everything. And that's a major difference between people and animals. So people can fly in planes because the Wright brothers, and then others around the same time as well, imagined that they could do it. They had a dream, if you want to put it that way, in their heart. They saw something that most other people did not see. And some people would have mocked them for that. I see the same thing with God moving in people's lives. People see what they see in the natural. I don't. I see in the inside, and I see a world that is so hungry to change, and there are so many thousands of people that are going to embrace Jesus and want to grow in God, and I'm preparing myself for that. So what I say, I've got to keep learning to see that instead of see what my natural physical senses tell me. Are you with me? So your imagination is like this God-given gift. And your imagination is like you paint a picture on the screen on the inside of you. Because what you imagine, similar principle to what we talked about when you're you're, um, beholding, what you imagine is going to be creative in your life. It's a picture. You play a movie. And you can choose. Now, some people will say, well, you know, what about the will of God? And you can't just choose. Well, if you're, if you're walking with God, then the things that spring up out of your heart are going to be in line with the will of God, broadly speaking. We have a relationship with God. I want to encourage you to build that. So he's your best friend. You walk with him. Amy and Dan said those beautiful words, best friends all through their lives together. But that's what Jesus wants to be. 
your best friend and you learn to get to know him. And you will find that for all of you, if you sit and, and probably now in this atmosphere as, as we're here, and, and I'm going to close in a couple of minutes because I just feel like that's time to do that. So um, as we're doing this in this situation and we take the time to stop and think, meditate, ponder a little bit, think a little bit, you'll find that there are certain things in your heart that you really always wanted to do or you really always wanted to be. And they will vary from person to person. So for me, to make millions of pounds doesn't interest me. But to have influence for God, that means a lot to me. So I'm, and we're all wired. For some people, they're like, they just want to make a lot of money. It's not wrong. It just depends how you're wired. For some people, raising that family of kids is almost the be-all and end-all. That means so much. For other people, they're not so fussed about having kids or not having kids or grandkids. They're just, everyone's different. So when I say you've got an imagination, we're not talking about being, you know, ridiculous. The Wright brothers, for example, just the way they were, their parents were engineers. He was a bike, motor, um, pedal bike guy, his father, their father. And so they were always in and around engineering type things. And there was just obviously something in them that thought, wow, that would be awesome. It doesn't interest me. Going to, going to Mars, being the first guy to Mars on, on Richard Branson's new thing, just doesn't interest me. I'm just not going to put any time or energy into that. Because you can't do everything. But you can do some things. And what I'm saying is, and the point that, and I, I really need to leave this with you because I just feel like it's a good time to close. The point is the imagination is a gift God's given you so whales don't imagine anything, fabulous though they are. Sometimes I post photos of whales. I follow Roam the Ocean or something on Instagram. It's just stunning. love them. Blue whales and the humpback whales. And the... Have you seen the one with the, is it a narwhal, the white one, the black one, the white one, narwhal, that's catching the football? Have you seen that? on a boat, a little boat, with a rug, mini rugby ball, and he throws it out there, and the narwhal goes and gets it, puts it in his mouth, swims up next to the boat, and then flips it up, and he gets it out, of, not into the boat, just into the water. Awesome. You know, but they're not imagining anything. They're not, the, the narwhal's not swimming around saying, let me get 11 of my friends, we'll make a little pitch here, and, some, and it'll be three points for a penalty goal, but no, that, that's us. Somebody invented that. Somebody thought, here's a game that'd be fun. Can you imagine how many games there are yet to be invented that haven't been? I mean, all the computer games, I don't play them very much. But when I was a kid, there was no such thing. Now that's what most people do. It could be that in five or ten years, a lot of that stuff will be gone and people will be back to playing, you know, dominoes and noughts and crosses because they're tired of all the computer screen stuff. Things change all the time. And then the guys who've got imagination for making a lot of money will be ahead of the curve on that one and they'll think, let's start this right now and they'll, you know, and then the other guy, and we're all just different. But the, here's the point. You can imagine some, some people that would always wanted to be a great singer, some people that always wanted to, to own a really nice car. God has no particular issues with any of those things as long as they are not filling your heart. If he fills your heart, you can have anything else next to that. But when those things take his place, that's when it's a problem. 
Not that he's like, like really disappointed and you've been disobedient. It's just life won't work as well for you, that's all. So use that gift. And we're going to close now. Let's just close our eyes. We'll get to G another day, I guess. B.I. It was the B.I. message. Behold and imagine. But just because time's, time's done for us. And I want you to take this moment and to realize that God uh, loves you and that he's here and that you can, even as you begin to behold him in your heart, wherever you're at with God, you just open your heart and you think, hey, I'd like to know you better. He will respond to that and you'll sense something on the inside of you. Maybe that you've never done that. In which case, it's a great day today to say, you know, God, I'm going to put my trust in you right now. And then there's the imagination. See, if you keep remembering the person that hurt you or the marriage... or whatever, or the time you tried to get that degree and you worked and you worked and you worked and they weren't fair and they did this and they did that and you didn't end up with it or whatever. It's not what happened that determines your future. And a lot of really nice Christian people that want to do well have never learned to use their imagination. So they keep playing a movie in their minds. Their minds are set on, fixed on. What went wrong? And who hurt them? Instead of playing a new movie full of a dream about what you feel like in your heart would make you happy and would please God. So Father, I'm praying right now for every person here that you start to drop seeds from heaven, little ideas in their hearts and minds, in all of their hearts and minds, that we can begin to dream because until we decide to play the movie over and over, see it every morning, go to bed at night dreaming about it, not dreaming about the disappointment, not dreaming about the failure, dreaming about a new day, not dreaming about what I was like when I was 25 and now I'm 55 and I won't have those days back again. No, you won't. But if you keep playing that movie, you're going to be miserable for the next 20 years. When actually the next 20 years could be the best years of your life if you just start to play that movie. You're going to look great. You're going to feel great. You're going to think smarter than you ever did before. You're going to make better decisions. You're a far more self-controlled person than you ever were. You know, might say, well, I'm not really. But you've got to start playing the movie. Father, let seeds and thoughts come into the hearts of these people. And I pray, even though we didn't finish the message, that they'll remember the B.I. of real transformation, beholding and imagining. We thank you for this really special day in your presence. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody. Oh, that's very nice. Thanks a lot. I do hope that... Uh, what we've talked about has, and I feel like it, you can feel it in the atmosphere, like something has shifted. So God bless you. Use your imagination. Start to behold. And who knows, next week from France, I might tell you what the G is. You never know. It's coming. <laughs>